who moved to the margins because she knew this is the center of God's story, who never lost her love for telling that story, who loved us and whom we loved. Ashet Hayil, Woman of Valor. Hey everybody, I'm Ashley. And I'm Kristen. And I'm Meredith. We want to welcome you to Inspired Conversations, the podcast study of the book Inspired, Slaying Giants, Walking on Water, and Loving the Bible Again by Rachel Held Evans. The book is available in paperback and audio, so please follow along with us. Even if you aren't reading along, I think you'll find this conversation beneficial and entertaining for your own faith journey. Well, today we're going to dive into a discussion about this book's epilogue titled And Then and wrap up our comments on this book. Mm. Wow. I know. That was a sad sound. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not excited about this. I mean, I am because I'm excited to be with you guys, but at least it's not the end end. I know. I know it's not the end. TBD. (laughs) TBD. Season two, TBD. Yep. Listen to the end of the episode for all the details. But (laughs) yeah, no, I mean, it was, I'm glad we got to come back and talk about the epilogue and that last week, the last chapter wasn't the end of this, but the epilogue was really good. It was really hard to read. It was very it was heavy. Very heavy. Yeah. The time we're recording it, it is two years since Rachel Held Evans has passed. Mm-hmm. And the the whole gist of the epilogue was about how she's going to continue to tell stories mm-hmm. to her children and help them understand the Bible and mm-hmm. how she'll do this. And it was just... God, it was heart-wrenching to read it knowing she won't get that opportunity. Yeah, talking about her and her husband's plans for things that they want to do. And yeah, for anybody, that's just, it's 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 both sad, but it's also inspiring because mm-hmm. I think of the legacy that she's left in her yeah. writings and in her ministry and I mean, how, how much amazing, we're benefiting. How amazing that her children have this book right. and all that yeah. she's written, but yeah. this book especially. Yes, because it's like their mom's telling is going to be telling them stories. Absolutely. Which, ooh, okay, don't get me started. I know. We're getting emotional. Oh. I know. Well, and it's amazing how many people, their first time reading it, and it, she's still affecting our lives. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's so cool. Mm-hmm. Well, let me share some highlights from the epilogue. Rachel Held Evans kicks it off with the description of her sister-in-law, Maki. She says... She has the kind of laugh that will carry a mile. You hear it booming from her large Atlanta-area kitchen where a gaggle of friends, family, and neighbors always gather, snacking on appetizers and sharing stories as Maki shouts about the sizzle of some savory masterpiece brewing. If you come for a visit, you will stay. The part of Maki's personality that Rachel Held Evans highlights is the common phrase she uses, and then? It's Maki's way to pull more out of a story and a person. Rachel Held Evans says that Maki is, quote, employing what Hebrew scholars term the wa consecutive, an element of syntax upon which Hebrew stories are built, by prefixing a verb form with the letter wa in order to change the tense, the writers of Hebrew scripture move a story along by essentially saying, and then, and then, and then. For example, quote, there was a light, and then God saw the light was good. And then there was an evening, and then there was morning, and then, and then, and then. And before you know it, you are standing with Moses on Mount Nebo at the end of Deuteronomy. Mm. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. But it just adds to, do you guys have any friends in your life that either do the end then or are able to pull more from Mm. your stories? You know, when in reading this, I thought so much about Alex 
who does all of our videography he is possibly the best listener Mm -hmm. i have ever met and i mean we'll have very very um time sensitive Mm -hmm. meetings where it's like we've got we got to get this done and he'll walk in my office and i'll say okay so here's what i'm thinking and he'll always go wait how are you Mm -hmm. how how was your weekend and i'm like oh it was great it was great anyways well what did you do yeah you know, he's just mm-hmm. but not because he's you know not wanting to do work he's just genuinely wants to care for people and wants to know more about them yeah. and i found myself like those are the highlights of my days sometimes because i feel like someone actually cares mm-hmm. and wants to know me better yeah. and i i want to be better at that yeah and when people are willing to kind of like because sometimes i feel like when people say how was your day it, it they're asking to be polite Right. Um, but when someone like Alex or when we strive to do this, we say, so how was your day? And you say, I'm, bust, I'm beat, you know, and then they say, oh, gosh, why? What all do you have on your plate right now? You know, like ask mm-hmm. a specific question and you're kind of like, oh, do you really want to hear about why I'm stressed? Right. And it's so helpful to even talk about stuff, too, because when people ask that question, it's doing the self-care of getting those feelings or thoughts out of your head and into the light. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they always seem smaller that way. So it's all there's magic in that, too. I do. I love that, though. Mm -hmm. Alex is great. I remember I had a friend in Kansas City, and she would always ask, why? You know, you tell that story, and I'd be like, well, why did you go to college there? And you're like, oh. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let me tell you that story. Right. And so it was really fun because you got more personal into their lives. And so I want to strive to be like that, too. Mm -hmm. You know what it reminds me of is improv. So, like, and and, and you're always supposed to an improv yes and a story Mm -hmm. and so it's very interesting because it's this idea of like what's next where are we going to take this where is it going to go and I feel like that's very much kind of what she's talked about throughout this book of like Hebrew scholars is like right yeah sure that's a great story but then what do you think happened right let's take it let's take it past Uh uh-huh yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and the story of God and Jesus is still going on Mm -hmm. and so it's a story that our kids will continue Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Okay, question for you guys. Okay. Yep. Which Bible story changed the most for you after reading this book? What parts of the Bible are you inspired to explore in more depth? Um, no, I think not because it just happened, mm-hmm. but I really want to go back and read the epistles yep. and, and really read them with context, like mm-hmm. we said last week. Um, mainly because, I mean, again, don't hear this as like, oh, I already knew all of that, but I mean... There were things in like Old Testament from this book that I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. For a lot of Christianity, Old Testament is not like the the focus of our faith. And so I, I think that was kind of like, a, oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. But anyways, but the New Testament is. And so much of the Acts of the Apostles and what happened after Jesus is the focus of our faith. And so I want to go back and, and reread that and really kind of... I don't know, pick it apart and understand a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe turn it like she's talking yeah, about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For me, I would definitely say, and I've read this book twice now, but it still is um, Hagar's story mm. with Abraham and Sarah. I just had never thought about her perspective, and that just changes every Bible story when I look at it because I'm not looking at just the main characters anymore, but mm-hmm. I'm looking for the other pieces that were affected by this. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy that you say that because it's it's just I. It's funny to realize how far we've come with this book. Like Hagar feels like a long time ago. It really does <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, uh, but no, that story was amazing and deep. And I, you know, since it was last week, I I could say Paul because mm-hmm. a lot of that gave me a lot of different perspective of like things to 
compare and investigate about times when people in the Bible were making uh, proclamations about different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to not just say Paul, I, I think Don't that... Don't copy me. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think the thing I want to do is go back to the psalms Mm. remember when we talked about how we only read the happy ones oh yes yes um and i want to read some laments Mm -hmm. and try and find some things maybe even lamentations yeah whoa whoa slow down there (laughs) next book but yeah no i i want to find some things that i can have for when to acknowledge when i'm feeling down right to acknowledge when i'm feeling separate and find some of those things to come back to instead of just the happy-go-lucky stuff yeah so those are great Mm -hmm. yeah well we'll dive into some more the next season yes we'll We'll see what that will be Mm -hmm. so what are some of the most important stories then whether from scripture or from your own life that you want to pass on to your children or to the next generation i don't know what made me think of this and i feel like you can see this in scripture but it made me think of the mr rogers quote look for the helpers mm-hmm. and i don't know why but i feel like in scripture that would be kind of a cool way to read with your children during mm. those hard stories when you have them yeah. yeah that's a great idea well i think that there are plenty of stories about my life that i'm going to want to share with my kids like you know even the generations now recent don't remember they weren't alive for 9-11 sure. and just different things that were like those moments in time that you always want to share with people. Mm-hmm. And I think that the stories that I could have also benefited from in scripture and in life, like I, I don't know if parents always feel invited to share stories of times that they failed or times that they failed and then overcame things. Um, but I want to share those Bible stories, too. Mm-hmm. Stories um, of resilience. Yeah, stories mm-hmm. of resilience, stories of changing your mind, stories of when you realized you were wrong. And there's lots of good ones in the Bible for that that we don't often spend a whole lot of time with. Um, and, yeah, telling those stories along with the times in your life that you have felt like you missed the mark, you mm-hmm. know, like, well, if I had turned my application in a little earlier, right, I probably right. would have gone to Harvard, but then I would have never met your dad, you know, like yeah. what, whatever kind of stories yeah. you have in your life. Um, it makes me think of like whenever Lila's old enough sharing more about David, mm-hmm. because he's a character that, mm-hmm. you know, is great, but also had a lot of mistakes and failings. Absolutely. And yeah. so he's a good one. Mm-hmm. And Saul and Paul and basically all the disciples. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is true. Yeah. Is there... Just a lot of people in the Bible. <laughs> Moses. <laughs> Lots of people that messed up a lot. Yeah. And weren't always the kindest. But... Did Daniel mess up? Did he ever do anything? No, I don't really think so. Okay. I, mean, I can't think of anything that Daniel did. He refused mm-hmm. to bow. Yeah, was... I thought I heard no, Daniel that... was pretty righteous. Yeah. I'm not going to share him. The Just zoologist <laughs> of the Bible. The zoologist. <laughs> Behavioral zoologist. Right. <laughs> All right, Meredith, our children's director. No pressure. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that, I mean, obviously stories from my life and all of that. Um, but I think when I read scripture and when I tell stories from the Bible to my children, I think that I want to make sure that, and not just to my children, but to all children, that I am focusing on the inclusion, mm-hmm. not exclusions in the Bible, mm. the inclusion of women when they 
probably wouldn't have been included otherwise. Mm-hmm. The inclu- like all of the things that that we've seen throughout reading this, we're like, how crazy is it that this was included in the Bible? Mm-hmm. And then reading the epistles last week, that this was <laughs> the good news is good news for all people. And we have seen the church grow and grow and grow and grow and change its mind over and over and over to include more and more and more people. Mm-hmm. And I know with my own children, that's my focus always with them is how do we include other people? How do we include everyone? Not just in like, you know, everyday life, but in church. Um, and we have a lot of conversations about that. I mean, I think I've shared on here before that we take our kids to Ramadan dinners um, mm-hmm. to try and include, you know, the, everyone in the love of God. We're not there to try and convert people. We're just being loving. And mm-hmm. um, and so I think that's that's really what I want to focus on is how God is an inclusive God, mm-hmm. a God for all people not just some people that we deem worthy. Yeah, I think that's great. And that just reminded me of, you know, it's not necessarily a story, but as I'm reading scripture with my girls, I'm trying to allow the space for questions. Mm -hmm. And I was telling the study last week that Lila and I were reading um, Noah. And as we were going through it, it says God regretted creating humanity. Mm -hmm. And Lila was like, I don't think God regretted creating humanity. And I was like, that's fair. She goes, I don't know if I necessarily believe with the author of this story. And I go, okay, that's just fine. Yeah. So I think allowing the space for that instead of drilling like this is the Bible and it is exactly the way it is because it's the divine word of God. Hopefully there won't have to be as much deconstructing Mm -hmm. um, in the future. Yeah. And just think about how much comfort you gave her in that moment by not reacting out of fear and going, what? (laughs) No, this is God's story. How much comfort you gave her to be like, okay, cool. You, I mean, you didn't make it scary for her. You didn't make it something that she has to second guess, like, oh, no, am I not allowed to say that? Mm. I mean, that's, ah, that's I how we, of that. yes, oh. that's how we raise people in the church. That's how it should be. <laughs> it's awesome. not a scary thing. No, it's not. Kudos, Kristen. Well, Good thanks, job. <laughs> so on that note, um, since there are stories that you know you want to carry on and you know you want to share, what are some that you don't necessarily want to perpetuate? Um, maybe some told by culture, by our country, um, our own religious communities. What what comes to mind as things that you maybe were told that you're not going to continue? Oh, what about you can rest when you're dead? Oh, I hate that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it just perpetuates this idea of busy, 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 hurried life. If you're not successful, you're not living kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's such an American thing, too. It's. Ugh. Yeah. And it's something that the rest of the world rolls their eyes at about us. It just drives me crazy. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, and along those lines for me is the whole idea of the prosperity gospel. You know, mm. if you are successful, you are successful because God deemed that, you know, d- mm-hmm. deemed that to happen. Mm-hmm. God deemed you worthy of that success. And that's just a load of crock. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, that is, we know that that's not how the Bible works. And so, um, this, you know, hashtag blessed kind of mentality of if I get good things, it's because God blessed me. That is so destructive and so harmful. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you didn't get good things, it means that you didn't believe enough. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what Jesus was going against with the man at the pool of Siloam. I mean, all those things. How many times did Jesus have to say like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. This guy didn't do anything to have this happen. Mm hmm. And so you are, you know, like, ha, 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 sorry. It just kind of makes <laughs> me think of like, oh, how we're supposed to take wisdom literature. Like right. there's a time and place for things, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes like 
choose joy. It's like, okay, there's probably a time when you should choose joy, but there's also a time you've got to choose sadness mm-hmm, sure. and you've got to choose to feel all your feelings. And mm-hmm. so you've got to use the wisdom. It's not just necessarily like, oh, this is how it goes. Yep. On like to piggyback off of that, I think that there are things that I want to not, not perpetuate in the same vein, because here's the thing. When you suggest that somebody gets something because they're good, backwards it applies that if someone does something wrong something bad happens to them right which is the scary thing to accidentally perpetuate or intentionally perpetuate as well and i think that that happens really easily because everybody's got a little bit of superstition you know like i'm not oh, yeah. i'm not superstitious i'm just a little a little stitious <laughs> um that's that i think is just like human culture and Dude, I come from Irish background. We're superstitious. <laughs> yeah, we're super superstitious. <laughs> super superstitious. My grandmother still is like, there was a black cat on the road today. Oh, it's a bad sign. Don't walk like, under grandma. the ladder. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, grandma, that's not a thing. But uh, okay. But it's so true. And it's not, a ne- it's not necessarily a quality to feel bad about. But it is something that is really healthy to remove from yes. religious context. Um, it is okay to be like, uh-oh, that doesn't – but not to go – oh, man, something happened to them. I wonder what they did. You know, that's just... Oh, yeah. Like when they asked why the blind man was blind, what did he do or what did his parents do? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Or tidal waves or all kinds of things that happen in other countries that you see flash by on Facebook where people have all kinds of opinions about. I was thinking tidal wave was some kind of cool technology I didn't know know about. (laughs) It's a really great company. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. No, just like when... Uh, natural disasters happen there's always got to be somebody on facebook who's like oh it's yeah because they weren't following the lord it's, yeah they, <laughs> and they usually quote revelation alongside yes. that <laughs> yes so you just have to be careful because when you affirm things you always have to remember what the op the yang of that is absolutely that yes. you're implying to kids and other people agreed yeah. yeah yeah she says so on page 218 she talks a little bit about this she says if the biggest story we can imagine is about God's loving and redemptive work in the world, then our lives will be shaped by that epic. If the biggest story we can imagine is something else, like religious nationalism or follow your bliss or he who dies with the most toys win, Mm -hmm. then our lives will be shaped by those narratives instead. Yeah. I think it's a good reminder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And I I think that it's so easy to get whipped up in the most recent – you know, blogger trend, essentially, you know, pop psychology, even things that that people are all like, sure, that's well, if you do this, then your whole day is going to be different. And mm-hmm. if you actually drink 12 glasses of water a day, you know, you, you have would, to drink a gallon, right? I wish y'all could see her gallon water bottle. If you ever see Chris become infamous, it's <laughs> the most absurd thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Look, everyone's just jelly. That's right. Be normal. I have a 32-ounce one that I fill up a couple times. Just be normal. I would like to state for the record that Kristen's skin looks great. Oh, oh, And so, look, maybe I am jelly. I do use Thresher a lot. That's the only (laughs) downfall. Anyways, shall we go into our favorite... Yes. quotes from this yeah, chapter let's do it let's yes, or yes. the epilogue yes, yes. i should probably go last because i would love to read the last few sentences of the epilogue uh, i think one of my favorites is on 218 um, and she's talking about scholar and author gregory mobley she says mobley writes the task of theology is linking our individual story to the biggest story we can imagine 
And then on the next page, she says, researchers tell us that one of the greatest gifts we can give our children is the ability to tell stories, helping them apply narrative to their everyday experiences and to see a purpose and direction in the forces that shape their lives improves both cognitive function and well-being. Recounting everything from a skinned knee to a school field trip to a traumatic event like a car accident or death in the family with the aid of storytelling helps children make sense of their fears and emotions and manage them in a healthy way. I just, I loved the concept of, I mean, storytelling being almost a form of um, therapy mm-hmm. and and then using that therapy to link us to the story of God's people, mm-hmm. which I mean, you can read the Bible in that sense. It's a way that God's people tried to make sense of their place in the world and their place in God's world um, and how God's love influenced them. It just, it's this, I kind of have this view of like this cosmic linking going on (laughs) and it just, it makes me so happy. It makes me so happy and it makes me want to go home and, and really encourage that in my kids yeah yeah because we're storytelling people yep they say like as ashley and i are marketers <laughs> some of the research we do it's, it's people will pay more attention to the stories mm-hmm. than they will if you put down like a fact list mm-hmm. yeah yeah people want personal personal stories there's a reason there's a review on everything now online guys yeah so on that note mine kind of plays into that quote as well it's on page 218 at the bottom But we certainly don't intend to keep the Bible stories from him. I want my son to be exposed to a wide variety of stories, including when he's ready, strange, and scary ones. Not because they tell us that dragons exist, but because they tell us that dragons can be defeated. Mm, I love that. Let's defeat those dragons. Are you surprised I didn't choose that quote? Yeah. Yeah. You do love dragons. I do love dragons and dungeons. Um, Mine is not necessarily in that order. So my quote here is is the is the end of the book, um, and I just loved this. So she, much like y'all's quote, she goes on to talk about how um, she's talked to pediatricians and how learning to tell these stories is a part of processing our environment. And at the end, um, she says, we grownups aren't so different. We scurry around the world grabbing bits of technology here and pieces of philosophy there. Bibles tucked under our arms as we point frantically at every question and mystery that befalls us, asking, Ada, 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 um, what's that? What's that? What's that? We may wish for answers, but God rarely gives us answers. Instead, God gathers us up into soft, familiar arms and says, Let me tell you a story. And that was such a beautiful visual for me, just even thinking about the Bible as a book. It's so often this this mysterious volume that we don't know how to use. But if we look at it as this book of stories that were put together lovingly by generations and generations of people that wanted to make sure that we knew one or many particular stories, that it was valuable. It was a, a, a cultural gift to the next generation and God's gift to us. Pretty cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That made me tear up. I know. You got sad. Yeah, it's it's sad that it's over. And that was such a beautiful end to this beautiful book. Mm-hmm. But we're not done. Nope. Forever. Nope. We are going to have a season two. We are going to have a book study part two. And for that, we want your input. 
uh, at if you go to cumc.com backslash inspired, we have a survey up with a list of books. And if you've read any of them, or if you've just heard of any of them and think that looks really cool, let us know. Let us know what you want to hear in the future, what mm -hmm. you want to be a part of, because we want to take another journey like this with you. If you guys want to look these up, but it's The Bible Tells Me So by Peter Enns. And this book I have read half of, mm. and Rachel Holt Evans and Peter Enns were really good friends. I feel like it almost takes her stories to the next level mm. of going into the history and context around it. Mm -hmm. So that's one if we want to dive a little bit deeper into the Bible. Uh, we found this interesting one called The Making of Biblical Womanhood, mm. How the Subjugation of Women Became Gospel Truth. Um, this one caught my eye. It was written, I think it actually came out in 2021. She's a former pastor's wife who is part of the Southern Baptist Church. And she is a historian. So she takes historical context to mm -hmm. talk about how it wasn't actually biblical truth. Oh, sounds so interesting. Um, That's my kind of book. Mm -hmm. I know. I, I That one might end up being the winner, y'all, unless you guys <laughs> vote it. hard. Yeah, y'all need to vote. <laughs> Help us. I also grabbed uh, Rachel Hald Evans' The Year of Women. Uh, how mm -hmm. does, A Year of Biblical Womanhood. A Year mm -hmm. of Biblical. Because I think they could play together nicely. Another one we have up there is Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved by Kate Bowler. If you were in Reagan's Monday Morning Women's Bible Study, then you have already read this one. But she talks about all those reasons why everything happens for a reason mm -hmm. is not actually biblical and it's not actually good theology. Yeah. And then another one that we are looking at is called Miracles and Other Reasonable Things, a story of unlearning and relearning God by Sarah Bessie. And Sarah Bessie uh, was one of Rachel Held Evans' best friends. And so this one might be an interesting to look at since we loved Rachel Held Evans so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let us know. Take a look on the on the page. Take the survey. Let us know. You can always shoot any of us an email, too, with suggestions or thoughts. Mm -hmm. We have loved being a part of this with you and really are looking forward to the next the next iteration of this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, all of this has just made it feel like the beginning of something big. So Kristen, do you want to end us? You have a, a wonderful benediction, I think. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so speaking of Sarah Bessie, she has this book out called A Rhythm of Prayer. And it's a really great book. And she wrote this note at the very beginning for Rachel Held Evans that I'd like to read to everyone. Who gave permission to a generation who made origami out of hate mail who kept the faith, who told the truth, who dared to wonder, what if I'm wrong out loud, who was willing to keep wrestling until the blessing came, who pulled up more chairs to the table and scooted over to make room, who made us laugh and made us think, who was bold and courageous and kind, who would not be budged from her conviction that this gospel is good news for everyone who moved to the margins because she knew this is the center of God's story, who never lost her love for telling that story, who loved us and whom we loved. Ashet Hayil, Woman of Valor. Gosh, what an honor. So beautiful. Thanks to Sarah Bessie and Rachel mm -hmm. Held Evans. Yeah. Meredith will be with us in a minute. She's <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to compose myself. <laughs> just, uh, 
okay. I was trying not to cry. My eye makeup looks really good today, guys. I don't want to ruin it. It is on point. It is on point. It's so very. But yeah, no, I mean, that was that was beautiful. And I think that we resonate with so many of those perceptions of yeah. Rachel Held Evans after getting to spend time with her. She's um, who I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> yes. For, no. for sure. Well, you guys, um, it's been a wonderful first season um, of Inspired. And as we've mentioned, we're going to be back. So um, take our survey and help us understand what we should continue um, our study together with. We can't wait to continue having inspired conversations with you all. And until then, have a great week. Bye. See you soon. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this podcast episode. As a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministry produced by Ashley Danner, you can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to view our full listing of podcast series. Like, subscribe, and follow so that you don't miss a single message. Thanks for supporting us. Have a great week.